All right. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Did you all eat well? Did you all eat enough? Amen. Did you all eat too much? That should be the question. <laughs> that should be the question. Um, today I want to talk about compassion. It's amazing. We kind of touched on it in the Sabbath school. Compassion. You know, we're pretty selfish individuals. Did you know that? Or is that something new to you? You probably heard the story of the two men that were eating in a restaurant. And one was talking, uh, just talking about himself. Have you ever met that people like that before? They talk about themselves and about themselves and about themselves and about their accomplishments and about their family and about just themselves. And you know, after like, this is two hours of talking about himself. All of a sudden it's as if a light turned on. And he says, oh no. He said, I feel so bad. I've been talking about myself all along. And here I haven't even mentioned, you know, a- ask you anything. He says, let's talk about you. What do you think about me? <laughs> selfish, selfish, selfishness. We are truly selfish people. And do you know that this selfishness Somehow, we have brought it into our Christianity. And it taints our Christian experience. And I believe that that is why Christianity does not have more power in this world, because we are so selfish individuals. Christ came and He had compassion. And I believe that true compassion is the opposite of selfishness. There's a saying that says this, People don't care how much you know, until they know how much you care. Can you say that with me? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you forget everything I'm going to share right now, if you can walk away with that one thing in mind, with that one principle, you have learned to be a true Christian out there. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, speaking about compassion. Matthew 14, and let's look at verse 14. Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with what? Compassion toward them. And he gave them a Bible study. Is that what it says? What does it say? He had compassion, so he did not give a Bible study. He actually healed them. Matthew fifteen thirty-two. If you can turn there with me, Matthew fifteen thirty-two. Just flip the page. It says, "Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude." Because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. So, what does his compassion lead him to do in this circumstance? Feed them. Not just pray for them, 
Mark 6.34. Mark 6.34. So in one situation, Jesus has compassion and it led him to heal. In another one, he had compassion and it led him to feed. In Mark 6.34, the Bible says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with what? compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to do what to teach them many things to teach them and in Luke chapter 7 if you can turn there in Luke chapter 7 we see that Jesus had compassion one more time and let us see what he does here in Luke chapter 7 this is the story of the widow of Nain who had a son who died her only son her only family member, I guess. And in Luke 7, verse 13, we see where Jesus came and met the procession head on. Verse 13 says, And when the Lord saw her, he had what? Compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And so in the first instance, God or Jesus has compassion and he heals. He doesn't give a Bible study, he heals. The second one, he has compassion and he feeds. He doesn't just pray for them, but he what? He feeds them. The third one, Jesus has compassion and he teaches. He sees that they are just hungry to learn. And so he teaches them. He does not entertain them. And in the fourth text in Luke chapter 7 verse 13, Jesus has compassion and therefore he comforts the woman. He comforts her. In ministry of healing, there's a quote that says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed His sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then He bade them, follow me. Then He bade them, follow me. And so what Christ does is that He first doesn't say, follow me. First, he starts mingling with people, talking with them, showing compassion and interest for what they are interested in. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. After he shows interest for them, he starts seeing their needs. You don't know the needs of people until you actually start talking with them and finding out about them. I've noticed that personally, I have misjudged a lot of people. That you look at someone, you look at the car they drive, you look at the house they live, you know, you look at certain things and you know, you know, and then you start talking with the individuals. I mean, truly talking. And you try to, and you really find out that they have needs. Every single person has needs, especially those that don't have Christ. And so he mingles with them, showing that he desires their best interest, and then he discovers their needs, he shows sympathy towards them, he ministers to their needs. And then, by doing so, he wins the confidence of the people, and the people are ready to follow him anywhere. And then he says, all right, now follow me. And people follow him. Christ's method and his method alone will give us true success. I believe that the compassion of Christ, it led him to meet felt needs first. Not spiritual needs unless the spiritual need was the felt need. Are you with me? And I think that 
when we Christians truly start understanding this principle, that it will change our lives. And especially it will change the way that we relate with those that don't know God. Christ met felt needs first. And if they were hungry, He would give them a Bible study, right? No. If they were hungry, what did He do? If they were without knowledge, what did He do? If they were crying, what did He do? If they were sick, what did He do? Felt needs first. And you know, in my experience from going from door to door, I have noticed that it's very rare that the felt needs, meaning the needs that the people truly feel, are spiritual at first. Are you with me? Especially in Canada where I come from, where there's a lot of atheists. There's not a churches. I drove down the street, I saw like five, six churches. I was like, whoa, where are the people? <laughs> Amazing. 85% of the population in Canada does, does not go to church. And the rest occasionally go to church. <laughs> and then there's a small minority where hopefully Adventism falls into. Um, but what I have noticed is that when you come to people's doors, when you come and meet them at work or shopping or whatever it is, it's very rare that their felt needs, meaning the, the need that they actually feel, that you can actually touch and, and minister unto, it's very rare that that is a spiritual need. Most of the time it's a need for just to be listened to or a need for, for food or understanding or a need for, man, I don't know what to do with my teenage child. My teenage child is just out of control. I'm about to kill her. You know, and that's the need. And you are trying to come in there with your Bible to try to tell them. you know. <laughs> and it works for some people because some people, that is their felt needs. But it's the minority. There are examples in the Bible where a person's felt need was a spiritual need. We are told in the story of the paralytic, when he was brought down from the roof, and they tore up the roof and they brought down this man, that the, that the man looked in the face of Jesus. And in Desire of Ages, we are told that the only thing he desired was to have his sins forgiven. We are told that if he could just have his sins forgiven, he could just get up. Actually, he wouldn't get up. He could go home and die. He'd be happy. And Jesus met his felt need first. He forgave his sins. And after he forgave his sin, then he said, listen, why don't you get up? take your bed and go. But if he had not been healed, he would have been completely at peace. We are told in these hour of ages that his countenance, when he was told that his sins were forgiven, was full of peace and light. And it was just, that's it. You know, I'm ready to die. Let me die. No problem. That was his felt needs. That was his felt need. And so that's why we cannot, I am a literature evangelist, and I'm the first person to tell you, you cannot stop trying to meet spiritual needs because wherever you go whatever you do you will always meet somebody that has a spiritual interest are you with me you will always meet somebody sometimes you will have to knock on more doors sometimes you'll have to meet more people before you meet that one individual another reason i believe that we should still continue to try to meet spiritual needs for example passing out literature and things like that is because it's called seed sowing People may not necessarily be ready at this point to be able to hear about the gospel or to be able to surrender their lives to God, but you're sowing seeds. You're giving a little tract or you're praying with an individual. 
someone that may never come to your church right now, maybe for 10 or 20 years down the road, but you're leaving an influence. You're trying to be a seed in their lives. And I'm telling you, seeds germinate. Amen? <laughs> seeds germinate. And there will come a time when the harvest will come. People don't care how much you know. People don't know how much... People don't care how much you know <laughs> until they know how much you care. In these hour of ages, this is one of my favorite quotes. It says, Love to man is the earthward manifestation of the love of God. It was to implant this love to make us children of one family that the King of glory became one with us. And when His parting words are fulfilled, love one another as I have loved you. When we love the world as He has loved it, then for us His mission is accomplished. We are fitted for heaven, for we have heaven in our hearts. Amazing. When you're able to love people the way Christ truly loved them, meaning with no ulterior motive to bring you to church or whatever. No, you just love them because you love them. Because you love them. Because you love them. That's the reason you love them. Because you just love them. <laughs> I lost my thought. <laughs> but you love them. You understand, right? Of course, you want them to know Christ. That's the ultimate goal. But whether they know Christ or not, you will not stop loving them. Because you love them. That's, that's, you love them because you love them. That's it. When you do that, meaning a love that you are willing to give yourself, your time, your means, your, to sacrifice, to love somebody that may never respond to that love. Never respond. Then, for Jesus says, my work for you is finished. I mean... As far as he's concerned, he could beam you up tomorrow into heaven because you have heaven in your heart. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, about, I guess it'd be 10 years ago, 11 years ago, a while ago, I actually came to Florida in, um, I think it was a place called Fort. Pierce. That a place like that exist? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember where it was. But yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> In my mind. Um, to do the literature evangelism work. And I remember we were a team of students and we were going from door to door. And I remember this particular experience where I walked towards a house and I was as I was walking towards the house. Um, there was a big window with no curtains. And so I could look right inside the house of what's happening. And I could see a television that was playing, and I could see a man in his 50s, or 60s, I guess. And he was looking at the television, but I could see he was not, you know when you look, but you're not really looking? It's like a blank stare. And as a literature evangelist, you're taught that you need to uh, take in the whole situation because the more that you know about somebody, the more that you're able maybe to meet their needs, right? That is your goal, to meet their needs through literature. And I remember I came to the door and I normally ring the doorbell 
but something told me I should knock. And so I decided I'm going to knock. So I just knocked. And the man got up and he opened the door. And a very tall man, around six foot whatever, he said, come on in, come on in. And I was extremely scared. (laughs) As you can see, I hide my muscles very well. (laughs) And if he wanted to, you know, that man could have finished me on the spot, even though he was 60 and whatever age he was. And I had a decision right there to make. It's either I run for all I'm worth (laughs) or I go in. And something told me, even though he looked very, like, rough, something told me, go in. And so I went in, and he closed the door, and he locked it behind me. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Lord, what did I get myself into? (laughs) You know, the reason I say it is because I once got into the home with a drunk man. And the man would not let me out of his house. And the man was six foot five, and he was drunk, and he was strong. I mean, he had no shirt, and this guy was big. And I could not get out of his house. You know, he wanted to go through his whole repertoire of music in front of me, you know. Sidetrack. But what I'm just saying is these are memories that were coming into my mind. It's like, no, not another one of these. (laughs) But he said, all of a sudden he got really serious, and he says, I'm so happy you didn't ring the bell. I'm so happy you knocked. I I say, why? He says, and then he just kind of broke down. He said, you know, I, I, so many things have been happening in my life. I just came back from the hospital. My wife almost died yesterday. And the only reason I brought her back is because we cannot afford, you know, to keep her there. And uh, so I'm happy she's, she's trying to rest, trying to recuperate. I'm hoping I don't have to call the ambulance again. And I'm just so happy you knocked and didn't ring and, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I had a decision there to make. I could say, sir, you know, whatever you're going through your life, whatever, you need Jesus and you need my book. So here, you know, where's the money? I could have done that, right? But I realized that that was not what this man needed. Christ's compassion led him to meet felt needs first. And the man didn't feel that he needed a book at that point. <laughs> and so I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I just said, sir, I, I, can I pray for you? He said, please, please do. And you'd be surprised. I've prayed with Muslims, with Buddhists. with When people are in crisis, they're willing to turn to anything or anyone. <laughs> and that is a chance for you to minister to them. And I remember I... I I took his hand and he took my hand and I prayed for him, simple prayer. And the man just literally crushed my hand, you know, just holding it. And you could see there was so much intense in him and intensity. And I I finished my prayer and here's a six foot, three, four man, big man, just bawling, just crying. And he, he grabbed me and he hugged me. <laughs> and I almost died that day from his hug. <laughs> he said, sir, and I said, sir, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, by the way, I prayed for his, his wife and, and whatever. And I said, sir, I want to leave something with you. I left him a book called Steps to Christ. And I said, sir, read it. It will give you comfort, definitely. And I left. You know, I was in that home. 
if I'd say five minutes, that would be that wouldn't even be exaggerating. But as I walked away from that home, I had an impression, I believe it's from God. I don't have that impression a lot. I mean I've met thousands of people knocking on doors. And it's only a few people that I've had that impression that one day I'm going to meet that man again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Christ had compassion. His compassion led him to meet felt needs first. And I believe that when we start having the compassion of Christ in our lives, that kind of compassion that will look beyond our own agenda, but will go and see what do you need? What is it that is, 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 is making you tick? Or what is it that you are struggling? What is it that you could use help with? What is it? Where can I be of service to you? Ultimately, I want you to know Christ. But right now, that is not what you are feeling. And I believe that when we start having truly that kind of compassion for people, truly that kind of love that can only originate from God, I believe, first of all, we'll have much more happiness in our lives. And second of all, we'll start making much greater difference in our families and in our communities. I remember I met a... um, so many times. This is one principle that has completely changed my life. I remember one day I met a lady. I knocked at the door. She opened it. And with her eyes, she, she was going to kill me. <laughs> because she was in a bathrobe and I could tell she was sick. And she, the last thing she needed was somebody at her door. And same concept. Instead of saying, hi, what are you? this is what I'm doing in the community. I said, oh ma'am. You don't seem very well. What's wrong? I didn't even give her my name or nothing. Just show compassion. Well, I have a cold. Well, what, what? Well, you know, this is what. Well, look, I'm no doctor, but let me share you maybe a treatment, a natural remedy that you will laugh at this, but you should try this hot, cold shower. Hot, cold, what? No, really. I doubt she tried it. <laughs> but the concept was that I showed compassion. And it's amazing. She didn't know my name. She couldn't. She didn't know what I was doing at her door. But to show care and interest for her, all of a sudden her face just brightened up. And as we were talking, she says, "By the way, what are you doing this? What, what are you doing at my door, anyways?" Well, I said, "You know, I'm just doing, you know, sharing with people. Show me what you have." She went, got the money, got books. Like, no, she didn't even know my name. You know, she says, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I need this. No problem. Peace above the storm. Test your Christ. Yeah, let me take all of that." <laughs> and, <laughs> It's amazing. I remember one. I could sit. I, well, I could stand here and tell you story after story. One more story. I remember. I was, I was only sixteen or seventeen, and I remember coming to a door. And I knocked at the door, and it just kind of creaked open. It was pitch black inside. And the lady says, "What do you want?" And you know, I'm just a student. I don't know what I told her. But whatever I told her, she opened the door and let me come in. Pitch black. And I'm walking in and it's just dark. And I'm saying, is she a witch or what is this? And I remember coming in and she got a little light on and we sat down and we started talking. 
And I could see that she was very discouraged. And I just started talking with her about a book that I had called Peace Above the Storm, Steps to Christ. How God can give her hope and cover, comfort in her life. And it's only afterwards, after I prayed with her, and there were tears in her eyes and just amazing. She said, you know, I just came back from the hospital a few hours ago. I said, oh, what was wrong? And she pulled back her sleeves and she took out the bandage and it was fresh marks. She said, I tried to kill myself just a few hours ago. Actually, during the night and I was rushed to the emergency room. She says, I know that God sent you here because you have put hope now back in my life. Just a kid. I mean, I didn't know anything. But when you show care, compassion for people, it is amazing. It is amazing how they will start responding. And they will be willing to follow you, follow your Jesus wherever He leads, right? Because Jesus is the one that makes you the way that you are, right? So, why did I share this with you? Well, um, one last quote here. Ministry of Healing 143, it says, There is need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing, I don't know if I should be up here. (laughs) And more time were spent in personal ministry. Greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved. The sick cared for. The sorrowing and the bereaved comforted. The ignorant instructed. The inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. I believe that if you're a Christian, you're called to minister. But you will never be effective in your ministry until you learn to have true compassion for individuals. Until you plead at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I'll be honest, I really don't care about people. This morning I mentioned it. Do you think about the salvation of the person that bags your groceries? Do you think about the salvation of the person that pumps gas? Or when you drive, I don't know if you drive to work, but I can drive through Toronto and literally I will drive past hundreds of buildings with hundreds of thousands of people. And at times I realize it never even crossed my mind that these people don't know about you. It's not even, it didn't think about it, it just didn't care, even if I did think about it. The lack of compassion that we have in our lives. The lack of compassion. And so one church decided to do something, and I want to end on a practical note. One church decided to do something, a little church out in the West. I think they call it a 30-minute, 30-minute. And when they come to church... The question is, what did you do with your 30 minutes? What did you do with your 30 minutes? And the concept is, during that week, to find 30 minutes to show compassion to somebody beside your family or whatever. And you may think, wow, we're Christians. I mean, we show compassion. You would be surprised. Sit down and think of last week. How many, how much time can you, can you, 
really calculate. You did something for somebody else completely out of your way, not expecting anything in return, actually sacrificing to give. It is very, very easy to go through a whole week, easy, and not show compassion. I mean, of course, I show compassion to him because he's my father or whatever, and uh, that's normal. But I'm talking about somebody out. And so what they decided to do is say, let's start with 30 minutes. That's it, 30 minutes. And if you want to do more, that's up to you, but 30 minutes. And so when they come to Sabbath school, the question is, what did you do with your 30 minutes? And then they start saying, well, you know, this lawyer says, well, I'm a lawyer. And, you know, normally I charge for people, but I met this one woman that really need help. And so I signed her papers. I did everything for free. Another guy says, you know, I I paint. But, you know, I just decided I could see they were struggling paying me and whatever. So I decided to paint a house, paint one of their rooms for free. I just did it for them. Okay, somebody else says, I'm going to count it. And so what I did is, you know, I I went and I looked for somebody that could use someone to do their taxes. And I just did it for free. You know, someone says, well, I I don't have any career, but I have a car. And I gave a ride to this one sister from Orlando to to Miami. Is that a long way? It's a little more than 30 minutes. Okay, I gave to clear water. That's a little closer, right? I gave, I gave a ride to clear water and back. You know, I didn't have to. You know, I was tired, but, but it was my pleasure to do it. And that was, that's what I did with my 30 minutes. And so, I mean, I have an example here. It's amazing when you actually stop and to think what you can do. My appeal to you is to sit down and actually plan to do something for someone. Because when you don't plan, guess what? It never happens. Meaning you can actually sit down and plan. For example, if you know someone that didn't come to church, and it happens all the time, you can decide to call them. I mean, not call them to sermonize or, what were you in church? I'm, I'm really checking up on you. No, just, hey, I missed you. Can we just pray together? That simple, simple. You can bake something for your neighbor. Here I have an example of if it snows and <laughs> you can shovel the, the neighbor's driveway when they're gone. I don't know what you would do here, but um, do something for someone. Show compassion. One little old lady in that church, she, was, she had um, read in the paper about a family that had, that had um, their house burned down poor family and they didn't have insurance and so they were able somehow to get another apartment it was in the paper it's a small town and so she was walking with her cane and she goes by this this store and she sees it's a furniture store and she sees one of the couches where the back I guess through the window where the back was kind of cut and an idea pops in her mind and she goes in and she says can I see the owner and so the owner comes yes grandma what do you want well, I noticed that your couch is kind of ripped there. What are you going to do with that? Says, uh, uh, maybe trash it, whatever. Says, how would you like to have your, pa- your face on the page of the newspaper tomorrow? He says, what do you mean? So she says, you know, you remember that family? That, you know, why don't we donate? Well, if that's the case, I'll probably donate, you know, one of. <laughs> and what she did is she went down the street 
and got plates and, and, and furniture and, and bed and, and just one place after the other. And when she came to church, she says, Grandma, what did you do with your 30 minutes? She said, I didn't do much, you know. And then she started listening. All the things. She had this, them had a brand new, fully furnished house. She says in 30 minutes. I don't know if that was that quick. And if I recall well, that family came to church as a result. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Well, let me recap. People don't care how much you know. Christ had compassion. Compassion led him to heal when people were sick, led him to feed when people were hungry, led him to teach when people needed instruction, led him to comfort when people were sorrowing. Compassion. He ministered with people desiring their good. He showed compassion towards them. He met their needs. And then he bade them follow me. And people did follow. Christ's compassion led him to meet felt needs second, right? Felt needs first. And most of the time, it was not spiritual need. Whatever was felt needs, that is what he sought to meet first. And that's why he healed more than he preached. In these Arab ages, we are told that we need that kind of compassion. We need the compassion from Christ that will go out of our way to do something for somebody, somewhere, regardless of whatever we can get back in return. Desire of Ages tells us that when we have that kind of compassion for people, then Jesus can wipe His hand. His work for us is completed because we have heaven where? In our hearts. And my last appeal we have learned, if we can just plan, plan, start somewhere, plan, to actually try to do something for somebody. 30 minutes. 30 minutes a week. Start there. Don't think, I'm going to do, f- you know, five hours of this, and it'll never happen. <laughs> 30 minutes. If you begin somewhere, just like we have seen in so many stories that I share, how God can take that 30 minutes, God can take that little compassion that you show and turn it around to really make a difference in somebody's life. So my appeal is very simple. My appeal is how many people want to pledge to say, I will, starting this week, pledge to do 30 minutes of compassion. And every week after that, by God's grace. Is that your desire? Stand with me and let's pray. (laughs) Our Father in heaven, Lord, we stand here today realizing And we don't really know what it means to have compassion. We don't really know what it means to give of ourselves, of our times, or our means, even to someone that would not even appreciate. But Lord, this is what you did. This is what you do for us every day. And yet, even though we live our lives as if we own the world, you still give. And you still give. And you still give. Father, we thank you for that kind of love. And we plead, Father, please, implant that kind of love in us. It is not natural for us to be that way. We plead today, as we stand before you, that by faith you may put that love in us. And Lord, I pray that those that are pledging in their hearts, help us 
to find specific instances, specific time during this week where we can show compassion, not desiring reward, not having any hidden agendas, even if we are persecuted, still to show compassion, to show compassion, to continually show compassion until your work is finished in us and we are ready for heaven because we have heaven in our hearts. This is our earnest prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.